0: Let's start. Karen, why to pray for us? Father God, I just thank you for this morning. God, I thank you
1: for everyone that's here. Father, and those that may be still on their way, God, I just thank you, God, that it is not by coincidence, Father. I thank you for your word that will go forth, God. I thank you for this opportunity to worship through music, Lord, and I pray, Father, that we will be able to just focus our eyes on you, and Father, the things that would try to come and distract father we come against it in the name of jesus lord father the things that would try to come and steal this time from you, lord father you have a purpose and you have a plan we know father that you are stronger than any outside influence so father we seal this time And Father, and in, the, in the quietness of this moment may we still our hearts and resolve in purpose that we are going to lay it at your feet and receive from you this morning. For we know that Greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. And if there is anything that is not of you, we ask that you call it out and expose it. In the name of Jesus. Amen.
0: Father, may that be true for us, Lord. God, that you are our foundation. God, that you are our deliverer, our hope. Father, that you love us with an everlasting love. Pray, God, that our hearts would be set upon you this day as we come and we open up your word. As we sit at your feet and God, hear your truths. And I pray, Father, that your truths would not fall on deaf ears. But I pray, God, that we would have ears to hear. I pray, God, that our hearts would be of good soil this morning. That we would Push aside the cares of this world. And that God we would seek you above all. Father for your word says that if we seek you we will find you. If we seek you with our whole heart. So may it be. Today God that. We've come seeking. Not with a divided heart but with a heart that is towards you. So ultimately God our lives would bring glory and honor to your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we were supposed to head to Mark chapter 6, but we're going to get to Mark next week, hopefully. I'd like for you to go to Luke chapter 17. And today I want to encourage us message that I've titled, How Now Shall We Live? You see, last Sunday we came together and we celebrated Easter. We focused on His resurrection. And the life now that we have, all because Jesus rose from the grave. This life, if you are sitting here today and you are a Christian, you've been born again. We hear that a lot. We're born again. We are a new creation. The Word of God says that the old things have passed away. You see, we came to Christ because we saw our need for a Savior. God was pleased to reveal Himself to us through Jesus. And hopefully we've captured this beautiful expression of, of love through the cross of our Lord. If you're sitting here today and you're not a Christian, then I pray that the Lord will be gracious to continue to reveal Himself to you and draw you unto Him. You see, He begins this work in us. He first loved us, yet though we were in complete rebellion towards Him, because we all understand that we were born into a nature, a sinful nature, every single one of us, that is in rebellion towards God. Yet God is pleased to reveal himself to us, to show us his great love for us, even in that condition through his son Jesus, who came to purchase us, to redeem us, to restore us back to what God intended. How now then shall we live as Christians How now shall we live? We're saying that we believe in Jesus. We're saying that we believe in the one who came that has defeated sin and death. We're saying we believe that our past, that rebellious nature no longer defines us. That we believe we can live out of now this newness of life, out of a resurrection of our Savior. That the same power that raised him from the dead is within us. And I've been challenging us as we've been getting together. You have to allow your belief in Him to begin to define you. How you believe, what you think upon, is how you're going to live. It's how you're going to live. You know, We've been talking a lot lately too about how does he transform us by changing the way we think. And I think about that sometimes. Sometimes I look at myself and I go, God, I don't even know who I am. This is, this is just craziness. I know that if I'm in control of what I would do and how I would think and where I would go, the same with you. You remember your old ways. You know the rebellion that's within you. So you are still expressing and walking in that rebellion. But I hope to challenge you today is that that's not where you belong. See, the rebellion only leads to destruction. That's all the sinful nature knows is death. So why are we partaking of that which has already been defeated? We're to have a new mindset. When the old comes a calling, when the old comes a screaming, when others want to remind you of your old ways, no, you don't have to listen any longer. You're identifying with Christ. You're identifying with the fullness of who He is. I don't have to work to be good. I don't have to work for God's love. No, He just loved me.
2: As He loves you. But in this
0: love, in this great salvation that He offers us, it comes with a price. Our Savior's life. And that's why He looks in the book of Luke, and this is not what we're looking at today, but in the book of Luke, He looks at His disciples, and He tells them, consider the cost. It's going to cost you everything. You know, there's a few instant times where people came to Jesus. I think of the rich young ruler. He had a desire to know and and to be in the kingdom of God. But Jesus knew his heart. He found his identity still within his worth. Yet, though, he was a good moral person. And so Jesus exposed what was in him. But instead of truly hearing such a compassionate voice, such a loving voice, with such authority, with such grace and mercy, young man walked away because he wasn't willing to lay his life down. I think of the man who Jesus called and he says, first let me go bury. And Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. Like, don't, don't get sidetracked. Don't get caught up in all of this. Focus on me, Jesus says. I think of the multitude of people who are following Christ. And when he began to transition in his ministry to really talk about the spiritual application of how his followers would live in him, they must eat of his flesh and drink of his blood. He was giving them the understanding that I'm the bread of life. I'm the only way to God. we've talked about this a lot here. The multitude of people who were following him, and the Bible describes them as his disciples, his students. He had a multitude of people. And they heard his teachings, and they were like, this is too hard for us to understand. So they left. They went back to their way of life. Then he looked at the twelve and he said, Are you leaving too? Do you remember? Their answer, where can we go? You have the words to eternal life. Like What can compare to that? What of this temporalness of life can compare to what you offer? That's where we have to get you all. So as we look at the scriptures today, I don't want you to be, I don't want you to sit here and, and just hear like condemnation or I'm not meeting the mark or I'm not pleasing to God or any of that. Listen, when you start thinking thoughts that way, right away you're focusing on you. You're not focusing on God. Right away you start looking how you can't measure up. And that's what the enemy will love for you to do. That's how it keeps you enslaved to yourself and to destruction and to rebellion. My hope is that you would hear today a message that will encourage you to stop being deceived. To get over yourself. And to press in to the one who calls you his own. To the one who came for you to the one who has purposed you, the one who has planned you, the one who has created you to do good works before the foundations of the world. Ultimately bring him glory and honor. The one who has chosen you. The one who knows you intimately and yet still loves you. No matter how much you resist him, his love remains. But don't take for granted his love. That's why he's a just God when he begins to pour out his wrath. And I know it's not popular to talk about God's wrath. But we've said it over and over here and I keep encouraging you. As much as he's a God of love, he's a God of wrath. And you can't just talk about his love without his wrath, and you can't talk about his wrath without his love. Whenever his wrath is displayed, or whenever his wrath is pronounced, his love is always displayed. His love is always pronounced. He always makes a way for men and women to know that he's God. But we got to be careful not to just strip him down of His power and of His glory and of His majesty so that He will become common to us. No, He's God. He is seated on His throne. Such compassion. Such love for creation. That's why I keep encouraging all the cross had to happen. It displayed to creation God's great love. through the cross, the resurrection came forth. So that creation, the created can be restored back to its creator. Your purpose is for the eternal, you all. It's not for the temporalness of this life. And yet we get so blinded by the temporalness, because it's what we see. It's what affects our feelings and our emotions. Although we are meant for greater things, you And I'm just not speaking just to speak. I'm not a well-educated man. I was a dropout. The 10th grade. Didn't even make it through 10th. I was a drug addict. I was such a perverted man was abused, I was neglected. I hurt people, they hurt me. Filled with such anger and I hated God. So what I'm sharing with you today, I'm not sharing with you because oh, that sounds good to say. No, it's impacted my life. It has changed me. Not because I sought after him. I had no need for Jesus. Christian faith to me was of no power. I hated even the thought of him. And those who knew me then knew that of me. I hated him. Because I was tormented for since a child. Since a child. Tormented about death. Tormented about the abuse that I had to endure by people who said they loved me. And just like most all abuse victims, we always cry out, "Where was God?" And then I got even more angry at them, because I thought, "You're going to hold me accountable? Like I'm going to go to hell, and you're going to hold me accountable for my actions. You're twisted. You're twisted. I didn't ask to be born. I didn't ask for any of this. And yet somehow I have to choose. I'm not going to be part of your weird cosmic game. And I set out the majority of my life to hate them. To reject them. Everything that was within me. To seek myself and find something out here that would just give me a purpose. To grow up searching all different faiths just trying to have a place. Most of you know it was at the time that I I came to the end of myself. On the outside my life looked good As an executive at one of the Universal Studios My life was somewhat On the outside together And yet on the inside I was dying Becoming a raging alcoholic Drinking like I've never I mean I was a drinker but I was getting crazy Showing up to work drunk everything that I, I worked to establish myself again to kind of deteriorate. And if it wasn't for my supervisor calling me in and saying, take a break. Because I never took days off. I lived there. 90, 80, 90 hours a week. I had a condo right across the street from Universal. I had over 1,400 employees that reported to me. Take a break. I don't need a break. No, no, no. Take a break. I'm not suggesting it, I'm telling you. Take a break. Take a month off. I took a month off. But who was I? I had to face myself. The darkness of nights, the darkness of the day. just spiraled out of control. And at the point that I was going to take my life, a voice spoke so clearly to me that I know was Jesus in that instant. And oh God, you real. And such great love embraced me in that moment. I didn't have a church, and didn't have Christians around me, I
2: just had God step in, and today you'll live, it's the words I heard, and it shook me
0: to my very core, I got up and started getting rid of all the occultic stuff I had. drink do away the drugs <laughs> and he began this process in me and it's a process that is continuing in me okay. as it is with you his work is not done we're not perfected until we're with him but we must grow up, we must mature you said why do you share all that? we already know all that because I'm hoping that you're here today We can't remain the same. The same hurts, the same wounds, the same scars. Everything that was me is still here. But they don't define me. They do not define me. Because how can they define me when such great love has revealed himself to me? And to you. What about the anger, Rob? towards God. What about his cosmic game? Oh, It's not a cosmic game. It's God's plan. His sovereignty. He has revealed to me time and time and time again how he has been there since day one with me. And he's not a God that forces his way in. No, he's a God that keeps revealing himself. Keeps revealing himself. And then I saw the scripture, John 10, 10, where it's the thief that comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I've come to give you life. What? I saw saw the deception that I was living under. And then I saw the beauty of such a great love story that from the beginning, the Messiah was pronounced the wholeness and the healing that would come from the one who would lay his life down and who promises new life. New life. Wholeness, healing, nothing missing, nothing broken. I'm not living out of my brokenness. No, I'm living out of his resurrection. I'm no longer a product of the fall. No, I'm now a product of the resurrection. So what does that mean? What does that mean? How now should we live? Listen, the years I've walked with Christ, I've spent more times wrestling with Him than I have being submitted to Him. Oh, I wish I could say I've been submitted since day one. As I hope y'all wish you could as well. So listen, life still happens. Things still go on around us and within us. But He sustains us. My hope is not my, in myself to maintain a walk. I can never do it. You can never do it. Your hope is in Christ and in Christ alone and reminding yourself what he accomplished and what his truth says now how you should live. And I've been encouraging over the past couple of weeks is we've got to stop seeing the Christian life not obtainable. Like it's just something out there and like, oh, well, you know, I wish. But it is obtainable. The Word of God says He's given us everything we need to live a godly life. What keeps us from it is us. Remember, it's no one else. As much as you like to blame everyone else, it's really no one else. It's our choosing. When it hit me years ago when I was going through a time of rebellion, and I thought, wow, it's my choice to rebel. As it was then before you, it was my choice to continue. It's your choice to sin. Rebellion. It's your choice to go your way. Oh, I'll handle it this way. Or I'm going to do it this way. Or I'll find my worth in this. Or I'll find my value over here. And it's your choices that we're making that are apart from Him. And that's not how we're to live. Because we laid that down. We willingly, he didn't strip us from it, he didn't take it from us. No, willingly laid it down. Like when he met me in my living room, he didn't force me to bow my knee. He just revealed such great love to me. That how could I not? Because the majority of my life, that's what I was looking for. He could allow me to die in the midst of my rebellion as He could with any of us. But He's so compassionate. He's so loving. And He reveals Himself to us day in and day out. That as Christians, and now if we call ourselves Christians and we've accepted Him, that we will truly live for Him now. Remember, He transforms us by the way we think. In the midst of my rebellion, now I could tell many of times throughout these years that I've chosen to go back to to a rebellious nature, but He's always been so gracious to humble me. I remember one time returning back from Athens. It's like someone just took a knife and just went right into me. Ripped me out. What I thought God was purposing and planning was all of a sudden shifting. I didn't know who I was anymore. Because I thought God, that's how it was supposed to go. But it didn't go that way, so... And my mind just began to go crazy with things. And then God would press on me to do things and I would say no. I'm not gonna, you're not going to make a fool of me anymore. And then I would start listing all the faults that I had with him. I started believing the lies again. I started blaming everyone. It's everyone else's fault. that God's purpose isn't being fulfilled. So screw you and screw them. I'll do me. Okay, Rob. You see, he loves us enough to go, if that's what you want, then go. I didn't find any value there. In fact, I became even more tormented. Major anxiety, depression, panic attacks, just craziness. I've never experienced before. And yet in the midst of that, when I find myself humbling myself again, he's there. I remember maybe just a few months or maybe within the first year of my walk with him. Things weren't working out the way I wanted them to. So I remember throwing my fist up in the air and telling God, I didn't ask for you. You've messed up my life. Oh, listen to this lie I believed. I was better off... (laughs) And so I'll show you who has the power and the authority. I'll go back to the one I served. You see years ago when I was a teenager I made a pact with Satan. And for many years of my life I believed that when I would walk in the room I would feel the presence of evil and I would want to channel that in me. And I would learn to how to manipulate and to control people. I learned how to tear people down and make them feel useless. And do it all with a smile on my face. And watch them crumble before me. So I was reminding God, oh, I'll show you. I don't need you. And that night, I went buck wild to the darkest of darkest of places I've never gone before. Gave myself in every way to everyone, anyone, and everything. Next morning I find myself waking up and the Lord spoke. So disgusted. Rolling out of the bed and hitting my knees. And yet, there he was again. The last one I'll share with you, the majority of you know it. It was a few years or so ago. Maybe a little longer. I was being hit left and right. Every which way. Character being attacked. Being hurt by people that I genuinely loved and I thought that loved me. Being overwhelmed and just looking at everything going, this is crazy. And said, okay, I'm done. I'm done. And as you all know, I plan to exit stage left. To leave Gilda, to leave Jesus to walk away from everything and go, I'm finally, yeah, I'm done. Like, this is crazy to keep living this way. So I made my exit plan. And no one knew. Gilda was asleep. I knew what I was taking with me. I'm getting out of bed. I knew where I was going. As I came around the corner of my bed before I could even reach the bedroom door. His presence. And this time, he asked me, What do you do living? It pierced my heart, those words. And I found myself, yet again, on my knees. Not forced, but oh God! And I begin to tell him like we do. You don't know how bad I'm feeling. You don't know how they've hurt me. You don't know this. You don't know that. How is this happening? And all he would don't belong to that anymore. Grow up. You keep taking your eyes off of me. You see, we all face challenges, you all. I share those things not to boast in who I was or the works of the flesh. I'm sharing those things because I want you to get a good understanding that God is involved in every area of your life. Whether you feel he's there or not. He's there. And he wants to reveal himself to you. He is so gracious and compassionate. But he's not going to force us to live for him. If you want his wrath, then that's your choice. Even if you slap Jesus on your life. Well, I'm a follower of Jesus... And yet, you just keep living so rebellious. That's a lie, and you've lied to yourself You're not following Him. Like somehow we think He's pleased with that. Somehow we think that that's acceptable, because we get so caught up in ourselves and the lies instead of focusing on truth. And really who he is and what he accomplished. And what he wants to do in and through you. You see there are these ten leopards. Luke 17. As Jesus continued, verse 11. Towards Jerusalem he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, ten leopards stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And as we know, the leopards were unclean. They were accepted by society. They were put out. They had no value, really no purpose. That's how others looked upon them. The religious of the day were so disgusted by them that if they were around, they wouldn't even look upon them. So at a distance, they hear that Jesus is moving through the town. And so they cry out to him, Have mercy on us, and... He looked at them and said, Go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus, shouting, Praise God! He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, Didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? Jesus said to the man, Stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. There were ten. They asked for mercy. Jesus extended it to them. And in that, they were completely healed. But the other nine, they got more caught up in themselves and in their lives. But one understood it. One went back. And with such gratitude. Such thankfulness. Thanking him for what he had done. Are you thanking him, you all? Or like the nine, have you just... Receive and now you're just going your way. Receive and now I'm just going to do me and live my way. Receive His blessings. Receive such great mercy. Receive such great love, and yet treat it as if it's nothing. I should go to Psalm fifty. So, now how shall we live? We're Christians, and so we ought to live as Christ lived, because we're empowered to walk in the fullness of what he has purchased for us. You see, you're lacking today, not because he has withheld anything from you, it's just your unbelief. See, your faith has to begin to define you. You have to start being discipled. You have to start growing in whom you say you believe in. You have to learn to lay your life down daily. Or you're going to get entangled up in it. And you're going to get so entangled up in it that then somehow you're going to think because he's silent that he's approving of what's going on. Ah. Psalm 50, the Lord, the mighty one is God and he has spoken. He has summoned all humanity from where the sun rises to where it sits. From Mount Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines in glorious radiance. Our God approaches and he is not silent. Fire devours everything in his way and a great storm rages around him. He calls on the heaven above and the earth below to witness the judgment of his people. Bring my faithful people to me, those who made a covenant with me by giving sacrifices. Then let the heavens proclaim his justice, for God himself will be the judge. O my people, listen as I speak. Hear my charges against you, O Israel. I am God, your God. I have no complaint about your sacrifices or the burnt offerings you constantly offer. But I do not need the bulls from your barns or the goats from your pens. For all the animals of the forest are mine and I own the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird on the mountains and all the animals of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you for all the world is mine and everything in it. Do I eat the meat of bulls? Do I drink the blood of goats? Ah, look at verse 14. Make thankfulness your sacrifice to God and keep the vows you made to the Most High. Then call on me when you are in trouble and I will rescue you and give you, I'm sorry, and you will give me glory. But God says to the wicked, hear how the wicked are described. Why bother reciting my decrees and pretending to obey my covenant? For you refuse my discipline and treat my words like trash. When you see thieves, you approve of them and you spend your time with adulterers. Your mouth is full of wickedness and your tongue is full of lies. You sat around and slandered your brother, your own mother's son. While you did all of this, I remained silent. And you thought I didn't care. Interesting. That the wicked in this portion of Scripture is not the one's running them up out in the world. Yet though, they are wicked and in rebellion towards God. This is referring to people who recite his decrees and pretends to obey him. They hold a form of religion, but they deny his power. They refuse his discipline, and we know the Word of God says that he disciplines those that he loves. And because of this, look at the life that you're keeping. He begins the list. When I read this years ago, and I brought this to your your attention, it humbled me. Because I thought, oh God, what would my life be if in these times and seasons of rebellion that I didn't receive your discipline? and I didn't repent and turn and get up from it and grow. Where would I be? Oh God, I don't want to be a person that just holds a form of religion, that just says your name and does not honor you. I don't want what I've put my belief in and my hope in to be something that in and of myself I truly don't believe. I surely don't want to be deceived into thinking that while I did all of this and will do all of this, I would think and would thought that you wouldn't have cared how I'm living. Oh no. When you did all of this, I remained silent and you thought I didn't care. But now, he says, I will rebuke you, listing all my charges against you. Repent all of you who forget me. Or I will tear you apart and no one will help you. Mm -hmm. And you say, oh, no, no, no. That's the God of the Old Testament. Let's just talk about His love And yet, if you want to go to the book of Revelation, we can see that his judgments are sure to come. In fact, we read last week, it's because of these sins that God's wrath is coming. You see, as it was in the Old Testament, so it is with the New Testament, the people of God. We can't have one foot in and one foot out. We can't go, okay, we're all for God, and yet we're just all for ourselves. Because that's not how it works. It never did, it never will. He's the same as he was then, as he is today, and as he will be. And yet somehow we we'll allow ourselves to be deceived into thinking we can just keep getting away with things. And he doesn't care. But I love the fact that even before he announces what he's going to do, he calls for them to repent. Like, I'm about to list all my charges against you. But repent. Like, turn back to me. Like, I'm giving you an opportunity. Don't choose my wrath over my love. Like, I'm about to list all of the charges against you. One by one. Oh, but this such great mercy being displayed. But repent. Turn from yourself. And turn to me. And then he says here in verse 23. But giving thanks is a sacrifice that truly honors me. Mm -hmm. And I love this promise. If you keep to my path. I will reveal to you the salvation of God. You remain on the path of life, you all. Of life. Not death. Again, your choices and your decisions cannot be based out of your brokenness. You have to learn to seek Him. You have to learn to seek counsel and wisdom. How now <coughs> how I live. How is my life now to be an expression of such great love and mercy displayed so that all creation will know that He is God? Our identity in Christ is not found in our circumstances of this world, this temperance of life. No, we live above that now
2: as Christians.
0: There's a way we're called to honor Him and to live for Him. Let's go to Galatians chapter 5. Verse 24, and we've seen this scripture the past couple of weeks. What was it? Galatians 5. Verse 24 and 25. Listen, we gotta begin to just enter into the fullness of, of who he is and what he has for us. To throw off the sin that so easily entangles us to realize that strongholds that have been established in our mind can be shattered by his truth. He says he gives us the weapons of our warfare to demolish these strongholds. The enemy comes in to steal, to kill, to destroy. He wants to rob you of your inheritance in Christ. He wants to destroy love. But he can't. But you can choose to go his way, but why would you? I don't know what else to think. You don't know this. You don't know that. Trust me. I can give you a million of excuses of all the junk that's still in here and in here. I choose not to believe it anymore. And I'm not making light of it. I'm not making light of the torment and the things that go on in our lives. But I chose years ago. I don't want to be defined by them anymore. If your love, if your love sets me free, then I want to know freedom. Yes. And so I began to walk, searching. Your torment does not have to define you. Amen. If I wanted to, I could sit down today. And I could think of all the things that once were me. And trust me, I will not be the same tomorrow. I will be a wild man. Must mm-hmm. I tell y'all, and we've talked about this before, stop being so shocked when Christians fall. Like, oh, how could that happen? Oh, you know how that happens. Just glance at your past. Because that's all you have to go back to. It's all you know. It's like a dog returning to its vomit. And you're choosing it. I choose it. But I'm telling you, when it hit me years ago, I can get up and I can go, I can choose this day who I'm going to serve. My choice? Ah, When I read in Genesis, where it says sin crouches at your door and its desire is to master you, hey Rob you must master it how do I master it God through me follow me walk my way but God this seems odd, this seems uncomfortable, this seems weird, what are people gonna think, get your eyes off the Even in my failures, he comes. You don't belong there. Okay, God. I'll trust you. Do you trust him today, you all? Do you really believe that he's God? Listen to these verses. And we've read them before these past few weeks. But I want to bring them again because I'm telling you, I keep reading them. i like, God. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passion and desires of their sinful nature to His cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading. I'm sorry, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. These just can't be words that I hear. I just can't be a hearer. What does that mean for you? What does that mean for me? That means every day I get up and things are challenging me. My mind wants to just take over. But I can push back and say, you know what? No, I don't have to react that way anymore. Like I've nailed these desires. I, I've taken these, these, these desires and these passions. And hey, listen, just don't get caught up in desires and passions as being maybe, you know, uh, the flesh, the, the sexual aspects of life. No, it's just the desires and the passions of just remaining insecure. Because we've grown so comfortable being in an insecure mess. And you say, well, that doesn't make sense. Oh, it does. Think about what you're thinking about. And the majority of you have counseled in here. And you've heard me say, you've got to let go of the blanket. that blanket, whatever it is in your life, that yes, it's destroying you, but it's so comfortable for you because you wouldn't know who you are without it. So I'd rather be defined by my insecurities or my whatever. You name it. And let someone come tug on it and you're going to get offended at them. Don't judge me, leave me alone, and we put up these walls. I don't want you to love me. Because I don't want to be hurt. And so we just fight against everything. And yet we're the ones choosing to wrap us up in it. To clothe, clothe, clothe ourselves in it. I'll never forget the day. Like I can live differently. Like I don't have to be wounded anymore. I don't have to remain their victim anymore? <gasps> Are you serious?
2: Oh, the freedom, you all. The freedom. That's why
0: I'm so passionate to tell others about Jesus. And do you know how many people get it? Not many <laughs> Desire freedom. Like he not he didn't come to kind of put us all back together again. And then we still see the cracks and everything through the tape and all the stuff. No, 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 no. You're a new creation. The old has passed away. I'm not seeing the cracks. I don't want you to take me and mend me. No, smash me. (laughs) Get rid of that old junk. And breathe life into me. That I'm reborn. A whole new way of living. I've nailed my passions and my desires to the cross. And not only... Did I nail them to the cross? I crucified them there. They're dead. When they want to raise their heads up, when they want to remind you, take your position in Christ now and remind them. Sometimes you just got to speak to yourself. Like David did. Oh my soul, why are you so downcast? But your hope, You've got to encourage yourself in this new way of life. In this life that is now led by the Spirit. See, we're not to live lives that grieve the Holy Spirit. No, if you're a Christian, if you're saying you're a Christian, then live as a Christian. Led by the Spirit. Well, I don't know what that means. Then learn. Let's not remain ignorant. Learn of Him. He desires teach
1: you. I love the fact
0: Jesus says I have to go away so that he will come. The Holy Spirit. He is your comforter. He's your teacher. He's your guide. Are you dependent on him? Oh, and we go to uh, chapter 5 I'm sorry, no, chapter 6 verse 14 in Galatians. Again, we saw this last week. As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified and the world's interest in me also has died. Because of Jesus. Because of the cross. Because of the death of my Lord. Because of His resurrection because of everything that he accomplished. I love the fact when he says it is finished as he's hanging and dying and taking on my punishment it is finished Wow and in that my interest in the world and the world's interest in me is done is done careful for the longings that you have inside for the things of this world don't worship the created you weren't meant for that that's why you don't put your all of your purpose and value in a person in a relationship you want to get to destruction quickly put your value in someone I remember going through an abusive relationship, being beaten every night. I remember my mother's birthday. I got her what she always wanted to do—go up in a hot air balloon. Made it real nice and special for her. Was ready to go the next early morning. I remember that night before being beaten to where I can almost barely move and lay in there and for what and then to become an abuser hurting to find some type of value within the temporalness of life to to find our our worth in this we can have healthy relationships we're not to be someone's doormat even as Christians we're to set up boundaries we're to uphold truth we're to live as one that represents him We're to live as one who who has gained freedom so that others can see there's a way out. That's how we're called to live. Our interests in the world and the world's interests in us are gone. They're there if we want them to be there. But reality is the truth is for a Christian, they're done with. I don't have to go that way. I don't have to fight for my rights for this. Because I've (laughs) relinquished that. Because my life is not based now on the temporalness of this life. No, my life is based on the internal understanding of where I'm going to end up. See, we were meant to worship the Creator, not the Created. Go back to Luke chapter 17, verse 20. Jesus knew his purpose. He he knew what he came to do. He was focused on the cross. And in that, he knew that ultimately, listen, what Christ did and what he accomplished through the cross and through the resurrection is only part of what he has purposed. There is a time that he's returning. And when he returns, he's coming back. Not as the little baby, the Messiah to save the world. No, he's already done that. No, he's coming back as the reigning King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's coming back to gather those who have chosen to yield themselves to his Lordship, to his leading. So Jesus himself Teaches about the coming of the kingdom. Verse 20, one day the Pharisees asked Jesus, When will the kingdom of God come? And Jesus replied, The kingdom of God can't be detected by visible signs. You won't be able to say, Here it is, or it's over there, for the kingdom of God is already among you. Then he said to his disciples, The time is coming when you will know, I'm sorry, where you will long to see the day when the Son of Man returns. But you won't see it. People will tell you, look, there is a son of man, or here he is. But don't go out and follow them. For as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other, so it will be on the day when the Son of Man comes. But first the Son of Man must suffer terribly and be rejected by this generation. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in the days, I'm sorry, in Noah's days. In those days, the people enjoyed banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat and the flood came and destroyed them all. And the world will be as it was in the days of Lot. People went about their daily business, eating and drinking, buying and selling, farming and building, until the morning Lot left Sodom. Then fire and burning sulfur sulfur rained down From heaven and destroyed them all. Yes, it will be business as usual right up to the day when the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, a person out on the deck of a roof must not go down into the house to pack. A person out in the field must not return home. Remember what happened to Lot's wife. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. And if you let your life go, you will save it. That night, two people will be asleep in one bed, and one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding flour together at the meal, one will be taken, the other left. Where will this happen, Lord? the disciples asked. And Jesus replied, just as the gathering of vultures shows that there is a carcass nearby, so these times indicate that the end is near. Just like the days of Noah. as it was in the day for Lot people kept going on about their business serving themselves living for themselves caught up in themselves and they didn't see the signs around them and yet God continually throughout generation and generation and generation and generation keeps revealing himself. And yet, people still choose to go their way. Come on, y'all. If you're calling yourself a Christian, you're a child of God. You have been engrafted adopted into his family. You've been given the right to call him Abba, to call him Daddy. He's not holding anything back from you all. He longs for you to grow and to mature so that you are not continued to be affected or defined by the things of this temporalness of life that drags you in every other direction. But yet, isn't that how people when they look at the church? They look and they say, you're no different than us. We ought to be different. And even in our failures, because we're not perfect, even in our failures, they should see us respond differently. We're not boasting of perfection. No, we're boasting of his perfection. We're boasting of what he's accomplished. And we're announcing the freedom that comes through him. We're living differently. We're not to be carried away like these people were. I think about those people in the days of Noah. They thought Noah was a crazy man. But Noah kept at it. Building that ark. Everyone else Went about their day-to-day planning, purposing their lives, thinking that they still had a tomorrow coming. Do you have any wasted hours we've wasted? Overwhelmed, anxious, just craziness, and for what? Nothing gets accomplished. Come on, we don't have to be there any longer. There's freedom. Those people looked at Noah like he was a crazy man. And yet when those doors closed, they suffered what they chose. They chose to go their way. And the ark is a picture of Christ. We're in Christ We're safe The days The lot Those people in Sodom They were going about their day to day too But as soon as lot stepped out Of that city They received And you say, well, how can that be? They chose to live how they wanted to live. Those people were so vile and so wicked. That even when the angels came, the men of that city were burning with such lust, they wanted to sleep with them. It was vile and wicked. And they didn't want to hear anything. want to do themselves. And just as it was then, so it will be. Up until the day of his return. And so the disciples huh, oh, where were this happen? And I love Jesus' answer, just as the gathering of vultures show there's a carcass nearby, so these signs indicate the end is near. And no one knows the time or the day or the hour. And we're not really to even look for that. No, it's just a day-to-day thing, knowing that He's going to return. Oh, but let us have our wicks trimmed and our lamps filled. Let us be ready. Let us not be caught by surprise. The sky shouldn't be parted, and then you're caught with your lovers. And I'm just not talking about your physical lovers. I'm talking about whatever else you're giving yourself to. No, prepare your heart now. Every single day throughout the day, prepare your heart for his return. Your soon coming king. The Alpha, the Omega. Prepare your heart. Humble yourself, remain humble, remain submitted.
2: Prepare your heart.
0: Go to Second Peter <clears throat> chapter three. How now shall we live? 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. I told you all, if you read the New Testament, if you read these letters that were written to the church, or to the churches, they're constantly being reminded, grow up, they're constantly being reminded, don't, don't lose your sure footing. <coughs> keep pressing in, keep pressing onward. Chapter 3, verse 1. This is my second letter to you, dear friends, and in both of them I have tried to stimulate your wholesome thinking and refresh your memory. I want you to remember what the Holy Prophet said long ago and what our Lord and Savior commanded through your apostles. Most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come mocking the truth and following, look at this, Their own desires. They will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? From before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. Ah, look at this. They deliberately forget that God made the heaven and by the the word of his command, and he brought the earth out from the water and surrounded it with water. Then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. And by the same word, the present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire. They are being kept for the day of judgment, when ungodly people will be destroyed. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about His promise, as some people think. Oh, look at this. No. He is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. The heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements of themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. On that day, he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away into flames. But we are looking forward to the new heavens and new earth as he has promised, a world filled with God's righteousness. And so, dear friends, while you are waiting for these things to happen, listen to this. How now then shall you live? Underline this. Get this in front of you. We are looking forward to the new heavens and new earth he has promised, a world filled with God's righteousness. So, dear friends, while you are waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. Make every effort. And remember, our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. That is what our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom God gave him. Speaking of these things in all of his letters, some of his comments are hard to understand and those who are ignorant and unstable have twisted his letters mean something quite different just as they do with other parts of scripture. And this will result in their destruction. It's funny, even Paul's writings today, people twist. Even in our generation. It's the most craziest thing. Be careful of the teachings you're listening to and the people you're following. If it's not the fullness of Scripture, if it's not the revelation of who Jesus Christ is, if it is not of His great salvation, about His blood, about His death, if it's not about freedom, if it's not a message that that leads you to die to self, if the message is giving you the right to yourself, you better run from it. Live lives are pure. In the midst of great perversion. And we've talked about this a lot here. The world is only going to get darker. But we're not to get caught up in that and be overwhelmed by that. And we're not to hate the world. Because we recognize we were once there and we also recognize how easy it could be to get caught up in it again. No, we just have compassion to let the captives know that there is freedom. There is a day that's coming that we're putting our hope and our faith in that our Lord is returning. And until that day, we, let us be diligent to honor Him to live for him, to humble ourselves as he humbled himself, that we just serve others. That we not think highly of ourselves, and we put others' interests before our own. Could you imagine the church really starts living this way? Yeah, the world still will probably say whatever they want about us, but you know what? Our lives wouldn't be in agreement with what they're saying. Again, the world's so quick to call the church hypocrites. And you know what? Yeah, the majority of them, it's true. We shuffle into our buildings and we shuffle out. We shuffle into to our services and then we shuffle out and live just like them. But oh, that the world will see a difference as we shuffle in. And yet when we come out, we're still the same as who we were. We're still honoring God. We're still maturing. We're still growing. We're living lives that are pleasing Him. They'll take notice. Neither will be a fragrance of life to some or a stench of death to others. But there is a way in which we're called to live. Go to Second Timothy. Chapter 3. Verse 1. How now then shall we live? As unto the Lord. Understanding the times and the days in which we're in. Understanding that you were purposed for this generation. You're not here by mistake. You're here now for a purpose. Your life and your witness can impact this generation. Why? Think about your life. Think about the brokenness and the rebellion that you came from. And then I want you to open your eyes and see the thousands that are there where you were. Just look around. There's a need for your witness. There's a need. Someone desperately needs to hear. There's a way out. And you can be transparent about your life before God and then before man. There is a way in which you can live. Come this way. Let me introduce you to Jesus. Your purpose. For this generation. Your purpose to walk upright in a crooked and perverse world. When things are getting more chaotic out there. They shouldn't be getting more chaotic in here. Your purpose. To be a witness. To that all creation of His great love. And it says here. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 1. You should know this, Timothy, and put your name there, that in the last days there will be, very, they will be very difficult times, for people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. Oh, and by the way, they will act religious. But they will reject the power that God, I'm I'm sorry, they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. They are the kind who work their way into the homes and win the confidence of vulnerable women who are burdened with the guilt of sin and controlled by various desires. Such women are forever following new teachings, but they are never able to understand the truth. Think about that. To be someone, and they're describing the women, rather you're a man or a woman, to always just seeking after new revelations and teachings, And yet, never finding truth. You know what the Word of God says? It's the truth that sets us free. They're always seeking. They're showing up for every service and every time the doors are open to any conference and this and this and that. And yet, they never find truth. Then he goes on in verse 10. But you, Timothy, certainly know what I teach and how I live and what my purpose in life is. You know my faith, my patience, my love, and my endurance. You know how much persecution and suffering I have endured. You know all about how I was persecuted. Think about that. Listen to what's being described here. He's not being prideful about his life. No, he's reminding Timothy. You've seen the fruit of my life. You've seen how God has transformed me. And because of that, I have been persecuted. But he never gave up. He still trusted in God. Because he says here, But the Lord rescued me from all of it. Yes, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, but evil people and imposters will flourish. They will deceive others and themselves be deceived. But you, how now then should we live? But you must remain faithful to things you have been taught. You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom, to receive the salvation that comes from trusting in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. Why do we fight against truth, you all? Why do we fight against scripture? Allow scripture to serve its purpose in our lives. Look what it says there to correct us when we are wrong and to teach us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Go to 1 Peter, chapter 1. Got a few more and we're wrapping up. 1 Peter, chapter 1. Allow... The word to be used as it should be. It's the living word. Allow it to correct us. Listen. You're not forced to. Why would you want to remain ignorant of the freedom that has been given to you in Christ? Your life not have to remain broken. It doesn't It doesn't have to. Choose this day. put your hope in Christ and in Christ alone. Yes. Again, I said earlier, it's going to feel weird, it's going to feel... what, But that's why it's so vital that you remain in communion with Him. And that's why it's so vital that you remain a part of fellowship. That you remain connected. That you're being discipled, that you're growing. That you're honoring Him. This is the hope in which we have. All praise to God, verse 3, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by His great mercy that we have been, look at this, born again. Because God raised Jesus from the dead, now we live with great expectation, and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay, and through your faith, God is protecting you by His power until you receive this salvation which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. I love Scripture, you all. I love this this image of God protecting me by His power. I love it in the book of Psalms where He says that He will not neglect the work of His hands. And I love to remind myself of even my times of prayer and even my times and seasons of just craziness. Like, God, I don't want to focus on all of this. Because God, you say that you will not neglect the work of your hands. And, and God, I'm the work of your hands. To have confidence in knowing that in you all. I remember when it first hit me, like, oh, like God, you love me. of heaven and earth who spoke and it formed loves you (laughs) and loves you desires to have a relationship with you and he's protecting you so be truly glad There is a wonderful joy ahead, even though you have to endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You love Him even though you have never seen Him. Though you do not see Him, now you trust Him, and you rejoice with a glorious, expressible joy. The reward for trusting Him will be the salvation of your souls. This salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about this gracious salvation prepared for you. They wondered what time or situation the Spirit of Christ within them was talking about when He told them in advance about Christ's suffering and His great glory afterward. They were told that their messages were not for themselves but for you. And now this good news has been announced to you by those who preached in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. It is all so wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. So think clearly and exercise self-control. How now then should you live? Think clearly and exercise self-control. Look forward to the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Oh my goodness. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. Remember the scriptures before? What have you done with your desires? You've nailed them to the cross and you've crucified them there. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. See, before Christ, you didn't know any better. But in Christ, oh, you know better. You ought not to be where you're at. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the Scriptures say you must be holy because I am holy. And remember that the Heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. You must live in reverent fear of Him during your time as foreigners in the land. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. But he has now revealed him to you in these last days. Through Christ you have
2: come to trust in God. You have placed your faith and hope in
0: God because He raised Christ from the dead and gave Him great glory. You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth, so now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all of your heart. Oh, here we go again. For you have what? Been born again. But not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living Word of God. As the Scriptures say, people are like grass. Their beauty is like a flower in the field. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the Word of the Lord remains forever. And that Word is the good news that was preached to you. So, get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment. Now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness, are you crying out, you all, daily? Like a newborn baby, cry out for the nourishment from the Lord. Seek Him. Lay hold onto his promises in which he has for you. Don't choose to abide in shackles and chains any longer. Get up. Get up. For who the Son sets free is still in shackles. No! For who the Son has set free is free indeed free indeed. I don't feel free, free indeed. I still got all this stuff, free indeed. Listen, I'm going to carry all this junk in me the rest of my life, but it doesn't define me. It's still there. It's still here. Isn't it weird how songs you I could be in a store. You know, or out back yesterday. <laughs> song will be on the radio before you know it, and it's like and all of a sudden it's like, like all of a sudden it's like I'm living that moment again. The pain, the hurt, or even the abuse that was taken during that song. And trust me, there's times when my mind wants to go there and I go, oh no. I'm not moved by that. It's taken time. It's taken growth. It's taken me crying out for spiritual nourishment. Like in the beginning, my butt kept being whipped every which way. Everything kept affecting me. But I kept holding on. Well, God, know you say I'm a new creation. You know? No, no God, and I'm just going. I'm just going. No, I'm choosing this day. You said I'm going to believe it. As much effort as I lived in my old life and I put into my old ways, I'm I'm going to do just as much in this new way of life. I'm going to truly believe that I am a new creation. And when the old Rob wants to come up, I want to be quick to remind him. And I want people in my life that are quick to remind me, wait, no, that's not who you are. Why are you going that way? Why are you choosing this? It's your choice. And i want to cry out for this nourishment. My God. Now when things come and hit me, I don't give it ground. I begin to pray for those who are still enslaved to it. Every time I'm reminded of my past, it just gives me even more, more of, a, of a desire to know my future in Christ. And not only that, Gives me even a greater desire to share with others. Keep reminding me and I'll open my mouth even more. <coughs> Keep pressing in against me and I'll declare from the mountaintops. Mm-hmm. Good. You will not silence what God has done in my life. So let the enemy wage his war because he's already Let your mind and your emotions try to overreact and you just remind them, I have self-control. I remember in my beginning formative years, I would do stupid things and I'd be like, oh, but I didn't make excuses for them. I realized, oh God, that's sin. God, I want to see that as ugliness. God, I really want to know what true repentance is, to turn from it. And so then if I turn from it, then how, how do I live now? Those who were around me in the beginning, Yvette, I mean, that was the question I kept asking over and over and over. Who am I now? Who am I now? How am I to live now? What am I supposed to be doing? Listen, you come with the old, but it just doesn't define you. Galatians is very clear the flesh and the spirit, they war against each other. Scripture's also clear, and and, this scripture is also twisted a lot to keep you in sin. See, never allow scripture to be twisted to keep you in sin, in rebellion. You know, when it's written, you know, oh, the things I don't want to do, I do, and the things that I do want to do, I don't, and it's just craziness, and then somehow we leave it there, as if it gives us the right, well, you know, I'm just going to do it because, man, I really want to do good, but... Much scripture. Not, scripture doesn't end there. But I know that's how we like to preach it, so that everyone can just be comfortable in their sin. Oh no, don't be comfortable. Because if you keep reading the scripture, it says basically, oh wretched man that I am that I am, who will save me from this? And then it gives you the answer. gives you the answer Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit ah I don't have to depend on myself to get over my old life no I just have to lay it down you just have to lay it down and say now how then shall I live I'm going to cry out for nourishment you see you shouldn't be forced to go to church you shouldn't be forced to have a devotional time. You shouldn't be forced to fast and to pray. If you're forced to do it, then why are you doing it? Because it means nothing. God, God's not moved by it. I mean, He told His people back in the day, Stop praying. I'm not listening. I'd love to see God that way. He says, This is foolishness. Stop praying. I'm not listening. Because your heart is not towards me. It's towards yourselves. Oh, God. Like, come on, people. we got to wake up. <coughs> Cry out for nourishment. No, I'm not forced to go to church. No, I long to be in church. To be among brothers and sisters. I long to be in His Word. I long to be in His presence in prayer and fasting and and learning spiritual disciplines, not because I'm forced to, or I see them as rules and laws and all this heaviness on me. No, I just know what freedom is, and so I know that if I'm going to grow up and mature in this newness of life, this born-again life, this freedom... Then it's just a desire. I long to. Because that's the only way I'm going to learn. It's the only way you're going to learn. Your spiritual walk in Christ. This newness of life should not be a burden on you. It shouldn't be a burden. Because that weight has been lifted. And you say, God, you've, st- you've started this in me. Teach me. And I don't have to come in front of you and try to be someone I'm not. I don't have to try to be all super spiritual around you. You shouldn't have to try to be all super spiritual around Christians. It amazes me. We all gather together, pretend like we're all okay, in reality, we're dying inside. We got crazy stuff going on, but I don't want to tell you because you're going to look down on me. Because what's wrong with you? You're the pastor. Craziness is that we do to each other. What is it? Why are you putting on a facade? Why are you pretending to be free when you're not? Why are you pretending and and, and living in a reality that's not really real? I tell you you all, all the time: the greatest deception is not that you're deceiving others, it's that you're deceiving yourself and somehow you're believing your own lies. I would rather have this than to have that and nothing's really being done. I would rather broken to come in here and feel loved. Even when they're hearing a message that may be uncomfortable. I've been told time and time... Oh, you should kind of comment on this. For what? I care more about your freedom than I care about you liking me. Or if I perform for you today. I want to perform for you. All I can do is open up the Word. All I can do is open up the Word and share with you. Not just about a one-time experience, but an experience time and time and time again as I'm walking and I'm growing in God, and encouraging you to do the same thing. encouraging you to do the same thing. Let's close in second Timothy Chapter four. 1 through 8. Come on, y'all. We got to start being real. We got to start being transparent. You all got to get out there and start living in among other people. You got to start allowing people to see this newness of life. Again, not being perfect. Don't go out there and put on a show. Don't make it about you. Just go out there and be transparent. 2 Timothy 4, 1-8 yes, 2 Timothy 4, 1-8 be transparent with your struggles among Christians you all be transparent especially here no one's going to look down on you no one's going to look at you and like oh, what the hell's wrong with you No one's going to say anything except, we're here for you. How can we serve you? And you'll hear me say that a lot around here. And you should be asking that of others. Because just as you're receiving, you should be giving. Just don't hoard it up for yourself. I'm going to find my deliverance. And screw everyone else. What is that? As you freely receive, freely give, as you freely receive from Christ our Lord, such great love, such great compassion, such forgiveness. Who are you to hold it back? Give it freely. Stop making excuses. Stop it. Those your excuses are killing you. Your excuses are robbing you of your freedom. I could care less all the excuses that we all can come up with we talk more about our issues than we do our God and we ought not to if I'm sharing you my struggles I don't need you to come into an agreement with me on my struggles just come with compassion and in compassion and in love remind me of Jesus And the hope that I have for him. I find it interesting. I don't know how many times I've heard it said to me. Don't give me another scripture. Don't go telling me to pray. And I go, what else do you want? (laughs) For me to call you and pat you on your back? Oh, poor you. No, trust me, you all. I need people around me that are going to give me scriptures. That are going to challenge me and say, Rob, are you praying? Rob, are you lacking in spiritual disciplines? I don't need someone to coddle me and go, poor you. Oh yeah, that's horrible what they've done to you. Oh, I I just can't imagine being treated that way. And we just turn it off. And then it's all focusing back on me, myself, and I. And all of a sudden I'm like, yeah, that is wrong. And before you know it, I've talked myself up into identifying with all of that. No, I'd rather you sit with me with compassion and love if it has to be over and over and over until I'm finally at a place where I surrender. But keep Him first. Right. me. The world will love to call you. The enemy will love to call you. Mm -hmm. The enemy don't mind you going to church. He minds if you start believing it. The enemy doesn't mind you seeking out counsel and wisdom. But start applying it and he'll have trouble with it. Mm -hmm. Seek for counsel and for wisdom. There is freedom you all. I'll never forget the day Norma called me. No one's ever asked me this. Of my years of ministry and years of seeing people delivered out of such great bondage,
2: <coughs> I've never once.
0: I'm at work, my day's going crazy. Going through my day, I see the call. I could have dismissed it and be like, oh, okay, God, you know, I don't have time for Norma. But I remember taking the call. Stepping into the machine room, I pressed myself up against the wall. Everything okay? And she was determined. No, I need you to tell me the truth. With such direct, I need to know that what you're telling me, that freedom, is possible you sure? Are you really free?
2: Such a desperation in a voice. Yes, Norma.
0: I can tell you that there is freedom. There is freedom. Ooh, you've been through many years. Many years after that phone call. Many years of her wanting to kill me. Plotting to kill me. Many years. In and out. Many years. Where's Norma? I haven't seen her. It's been a season. And all of a sudden I get the call Can I come over? You don't know me, Sharon. Hey, Norma, come over. My mom was still here. Brittany, her family were living with me at that time. I came in from the back porch. I looked at Gilda. I looked at everyone and said, Norma's on her way. She's on her way to kill me. And what I need you all to do is not to be scared. I want each of you to go to your room. Go to your room.
2: And no matter what happens, stay in your room.
0: And I begin to pray. I begin to pray for her freedom. The God would remind her of who He is, and that I was not going to be afraid. And I met her right at the front door. listening to her and then the Holy Spirit said to me, get on the floor you remember mm-hmm.
2: she was sitting there
0: I slipped down and I sat on the floor and I looked at her and the Lord, the Holy Spirit spoke in my heart and said tell her you know she's here and the purpose I said no are you have to kill me in your face in an instant, in an instant, the hold the enemy had on her
2: was broken. She broke,
0: and I got up and I embraced her. And then she began to tell me of this horrible plan that she concocted in her head because <clears throat> she's so wounded and she was so hurt—not by me, because ever since I met Norma, I'm like Norma. Who has to pay? Remember? Years ago, she was always telling me such anger and torment of the mind. People have to pay.
2: Pay for what?
0: She was hurt. She was neglected from an infant. The hell that this woman has had to endure. The anger and the rage and the torment that was locked up inside there. She plotted to kill me and then go to God's house and kill the pastor there and anyone else she can get her hands on. Oh, but God stepped in. The next day we go to God's house. Have a service. She gets up and begins to expose it to the church. And trust me, there were people sitting there, probably even sitting here, going, What? (laughs) What? But yet there were those who embraced her. And I've told Norma since the day I've met her, love wins, Norma. Love wins. Take my life. Love wins. Years later, she chose to go back her way. Go your way, Norma. And I told y'all the hardest thing ever is, is to that people that you love go find her way she was clinging on to me tight she was already chosen where she was going I had to remove her arms and tell her go Norma that's what you've chosen (coughs) I didn't hear from you for years and then I get a call can we meet and all of a sudden she starts breaking four years ago You said, why are you bringing all that up? Because and... we have to be patient with each other, you all. I never gave up on her. No matter how crazy things would get, I would go forever and not hear her from her. All of a sudden, I get a call from someone she's with. Come get her out of my house. I could have said, screw her and screw you. Leave me the hell alone because this is too much drama. I got my own life. I got my own issues. I'm on my way. And I enter in. I see her on that couch.
2: So broken. So broken.
0: Carried around. And I know all the while who we you're driving. She was probably thinking, "I'm gonna take him out." The same for each other. This is the fellowship that we're building. I'm not looking at getting into a huge structure. I said, if God ever opens a door for a huge structure, it would be a place of ministry where people can move in and have a place to be discipled, to be loved, to be encouraged, that they can go back out and do the same thing. We're just Christians, you all. We're just to love each other as He loves us. Ultimately, Jesus never gave up on her. Before I met Moma, she had a gun in her mouth. I didn't know her, she didn't know me. And before she could pull the trigger, the Lord spoke to her heart, "Call my servant Rob. And she remembered who, and she remembered there was a tape that a friend of hers gave her of my testimony. She called that next day. Spoke with Gilda. I need to meet with your husband. I don't know you all, but I need to meet. And we met. And I did not know that she was. As she was walking up the door, she told God, "This is it. Basically, if they're like everyone else, every other Christian, I'm done. Basically." That night, she heard of freedom she never heard of before. That night God led her to a place where she will find truth. as He does with each of us. See, He's working in your life to get you to where you need to be, that you can throw off the foolishness, the craziness of life, the sin that so easily entangles. forget where you came from. Remember you to be a witness to those who are still stuck there. Do you know the people that this young woman, or, do you know the people that her life is going to impact now? (laughs) That what was meant for her destruction since she was an infant, she's in a generation now where Thousands, not millions, need to hear. And it's one life at a time, just telling of his goodness. The same with you all. That was meant for your destruction to be the
2: platform that you tell the world of freedom.
0: Second Peter, chapter 4. Sorry Oh, Second Timothy, you're right? Chapter four. I solemnly urge you in the presence of God, and we're closing with this, and Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when He appears to set up His kingdom. Preach the word of God. be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke and encourage your people with good teaching for a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who would tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. But you should be, I'm sorry, should keep a clear mind in every situation. I love this. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news. And fully carry out the ministry God has given you. As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me. The crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. How now then should you live? How you should be living. That's who we are in Christ, you all. We have good news to share. We have good news to live. The Bible is very clear. Take every thought captive. Don't be moved by the temporalness of life. Bring things into the obedience of His Lordship over your life. You have to look at it that way. You have to see who you are now in Christ. Your position is in Christ. You belong to Christ. So you should not be partaking of things that do not honor Him. Not because man is telling you. No, it's because, why would you want to? You're free. So don't get entangled again. Don't get entangled with stuff out there. And if you find yourself entangled, just get out. Expose it. Repent. And listen, I'll close with this. Repentance is turning away you all. It's not just saying, I'm sorry, keep doing it. That's not repentance. And if you're having a hard time I'm sorry you keep going back. But why don't you ask God, God, give me that godly sorrow. Help me to truly see that how destructive this is. I was not made as an object of your wrath. You have shown me great love. So may my eyes be fixed upon you. And in that, may all that I do Listen, that's the charge I set before us today, you all. Live this life. And listen, if you're sitting here and you've never truly made a commitment to Jesus, I don't know what you're waiting for. Don't hold back from Him. And if you've made a commitment at some point in your life, but you've wandered off, here, today, you don't belong on that path. Turn back to Him. Receive the fullness. He's not standing with His arms folded, tapping His feet, ready to tell you how horrible or a wretched person you are. If you don't repent, He's going to list. Remember what we read in Psalms 50? He says, I'm about to list all my charges, but if you repent, why would you want to live a life unrepentant, doing your way, heading on a path of destruction, Choosing His wrath over His love. See, that doesn't make sense. So return to God. Get up in the place that you've been and pursue Him. Seek Him and you will find Him if you seek Him with your whole heart. I'm going to close with this last song and then I'll close this in prayer.